Welcome everyone to Sunday, September 23rd, the day after Alabama's workmanlike 45-23 to win at home in the SEC home opener against the Texas A&M Aggies. I'm your host, Drew Yarman, along with co-host and producer extraordinaire, Thomas the Wizard Watts, and of course, our third amigo, a um, key member of the Crimson Tide from 1989 to 1993, William Redfish Barger, uh, who also took in the game. Uh, it, uh, as always, uh, closely watched the Crimson Tide and how they performed on uh, national television, 2.30 CBS game, uh, as uh, they dispatched the Texas A&M Aggies. And, uh, William, uh, I think we were all kind of in agreement that the, the number was a little high on the spread, 27 points. Alabama didn't quite cover that. Uh, though I, I did think uh, that the uh, some of the officiating was a little questionable as far as late. I felt bad for Iyabi Anoma. Thought he had a sack there, and uh, they, uh, they they called him for, uh, of course, a horse collar tackle and gave them a first down. They ended up scoring a touchdown. But still, uh, I like the way the kid plays. He kind of reminds me of Rashawn Evans from the standpoint of his motor. Uh, and they got a chance to play a lot of young guys again against a high-quality opponent. Because I think that Texas A&M team, William, they impressed me a little bit uh, on the offensive and defensive lines, especially their defensive front. Uh, I think that's a that's a team that uh, you know may win at least nine games there. I think A&M, though they're two and two, uh, they've played certainly a difficult schedule. They're a quality opponent. Oh, absolutely. I think you go back and look at the uh, you know the game last year. Um, you know, when, when they inserted Kellen Mond in the game last year, he caused Alabama's defense problems. I think they've got a um, above average to really good offensive line. I think their you know their front seven on defense is very good. And you know, of course, the you know the 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 take from the you know the the Bammer Nation is is they're all bitching and complaining about the lack of a running game. And you know, they've got to rectify themselves with the fact that you know this is no longer the you know, the Nick Saban team from 2012, you know, Mike Loxley, um, you know, with Tua Tungavailoa and all these wide receivers, you know, have trans, uh, transformed this team into a, you know, a, a, a spread RPO offense. And, you know, there's there's three or four other front sevens on defense, Drew, that, that Alabama will see, you know, going forward. Um, you know, LSU, Auburn. Um, you know, possibly Clemson once they get to the playoffs, that they can do exactly what Texas A&M did yesterday, and that's you know sell out on on the run. But you know, if that's the case, and from what I've seen, all three of those teams have secondaries that are very suspect. And uh, you know, I think Nick Saban has gotten to the point where he trusts Mike Loxley, he trusts Tua Tungavailoa, and these young wide receivers, and you know. Who cares about the running game if they can line up there and shred the, the secondaries that are so bad? You know, that's kind of the whole point of football is, uh, from a game planning standpoint, is to look at what they're good at and what they're willing to give up and try and exploit it. And that's what Alabama did to Texas A&M yesterday. You know, they shredded that secondary. And uh, I don't think it's any secret anymore that, um, you know, Alabama probably has – um, one of the best, if not the best, quarterbacks in the country. Um, I certainly think with the addition of Jalen Waddle, they've probably got the best wide receiver room in the country. So why not play to your strengths? And, you know, I think Mike Loxley through four games has been very creative, very dynamic. Um, you know, he's found a way to, 
you know, get Josh Jacobs heavily involved in the passing game. Uh, Damian Harris, you know, you saw the swing pass out of the backfield that he took down the sideline. You've seen what he's done with, with Herb, I mean, uh, Hell Hinches and uh, Irv Smith at the tight end position. Um, so, you know, you're, you're looking at something that's really kind of anomaly for, for Alabama fans. You know, don't, don't really sit there and bitch about, you know, the lack of a running game. You know, look at the fact if you want to grade the offensive line, uh, you know, give them a plus because Tua was never sacked. Um, you know, that, that's where we're at right now. You, you take your, your personnel and you try and construct an offense around that. And I think Mike Loxley is doing a great job at being creative and, and calling plays and, um, you know, making explosive plays, you know, in different levels of the field um, with what he has to work with. You know, this isn't 2012 with, uh, you know, Barrett Jones and A.J. McCarron and, uh, you know, kind of a lackluster, um, you know, wide receiver core minus a true freshman named Amari Cooper. You know, they're, 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 they're exploiting defenses with what they are best at, and that's, you know, letting a guy that's got un, unreal uh, anticipation and uh, being able to throw people open and, uh, you know, using those wide receivers – you know, I think it's interesting. It's an interesting, you know, take. Uh, if you look at the two teams on Saturday, well, obviously Kellen Mond is a very dynamic playmaker at quarterback. Um, he's got a live arm. Um, he keeps his eyes down the field when he does take off and break away from the pocket. They've got, you know, multiple six foot four wide receivers. Um, you know, at least right now of, of the starting four or five, you know, all of Alabama's guys are, you know, Five ten to six foot one, and they're they're being able to do a lot of damage. So I think that's an interesting, you know, study on maybe for the need of a, you know, a six foot four, six foot five guy. They're they're being able to be very efficient and effective without a, you know, big tall wide receiver in the mold of what you see at Old Miss or Texas A and M. But um, yeah, I think my take last Sunday, Drew, was. Um, either 48 to 13 or 48 to 17. Um, you know, I missed the, the, the A&M side of that prediction by a touchdown, but I'll tell you what, I'll miss it every week if I get to see what I saw in the fourth quarter from the Alabama defense, specifically along the defensive line, because you saw guys like Johnny Dwight make an impact. Um, I, I saw numerous occasions where LeBron Ray hit Kellen Mond a split second after he threw the football. Um, you know, that, that and I, it is within the rules. You know, they changed the rule last year where you didn't have to hook, um, you know, the shoulder passes if you grab the jersey from the back. And that totally blows my mind. Um, yeah, agreed. Personal foul now that you can't grab the jersey from behind. I, I credit a number with the sack. I don't care what the rule is. Um, you know, he's another guy that's starting to grow up before our eyes. You know, balls to the wall, sideline to sideline, and, and, you know, such an explosive first step. So um, I was pleased with what I saw um, in all phases of, uh, you know, the game yesterday. I mean, you know, you're going to get the – I'm sure one of y'all will bring up the question about the punter. Um, you know, my response to that is, you know, you know, do you want to have, you know, failed drives? Um, to maybe where Skylar DeLong gets more reps in games. I personally would rather keep boat racing people 48 to 55 points per game 
and him keeps you know having a 34 average on you know, on punts. But I, I just don't see a lot of things to complain and gripe about. You know, I, Drew, I, I look back to you know July and August when all the so-called experts, um, you know, kept saying that the Achilles heel of this team uh, would be the defensive backfield. Uh, you know, after four games. Um, you know, although not all three of them are draft eligible, um, it looks like Alabama and Nick Saban has found a way to evaluate and recruit their way to having three first-round draft picks um, in their defensive backfield. So it's all good and, and made for love for me. I, I've got nothing to complain about. I thought uh, Joe Bulavas uh, did a nice job, too. 47-yard field goal. And, of course, uh, he's really been kicking off well. Certainly A&M took advantage of that new rule. Uh, for calling for fair catches and getting it to the 25. And, and A&M, of course, had an outstanding punter and place kicker. Uh, they, Alabama didn't get a chance to get much going via the return game with those guys. Uh, but certainly uh, they've uh, they've had a strong kickoff and punt return game with uh, Jalen Waddle and uh, and Josh Jacobs uh, early. But my favorite play of the game, William, and really and that, this is another thing Alabama fans need to understand, in essence, it's a running play, and I wish they would kind of change that rule, uh, you know, uh, on that speed sweep because it would have given them 160 yards rushing. Uh, but uh, certainly, uh, it was my favorite play of the game because of the way my guy Josh Jacobs took out two guys on the sideline with two different blocks to spring Henry Ruggs uh, for the last uh, offensive touchdown for the ones, and uh, as they go up. You know, 45 to 16. I mean, that was, it was a great play call. I thought Loxley did a nice job late in the game of getting the ball outside the tackles in the running game to have some success. Uh, certainly Damian Harris broke a run too, but I love the play call. I mean, I, we call it the Wayne Kiffin, but he, he just, he brought it out at the exact right time. And it was, it's, but it's great watching a guy like Jacobs who has developed a huge role on this team, uh, sacrifice himself and make two great blocks. I, you know, I think he's easily, um, you know, the, obviously the second best running back on the team right now. Um, you know, Damian is the, you know, the elder statesman there and, and, and you know, kind of still, you know, I think he has a little bit of separation from Jacobs, but I think Jacobs has provided some separation between himself and Najee Harris um, for, for really uh, what you just mentioned, you know, willing to throw his body out there and sacrifice it, you know, not just down the field like he did on the rugs, uh, tightrope walk down the sideline, but in pass pro as well. And I think Mike Loxley has done a great job at, at getting multiple people involved, um, you know, in that, that offense. You know, you've got, you know, a guy like Josh Jacobs, um, he's fully healthy, and when he is, can I think can, can be one of the most dynamic playmakers in the country. Um, you've got Irv Smith, who a lot of people are, you know, ranting and raving about. Maybe, maybe he can have an opportunity to come out and get a first-round grade at the end of this year. And, and, you know, a guy that's, you know, kind of had a, you know, a pedestrian career up until this season. And Hell Hinches, um, you know, who keeps getting, you know, pop pass, passes thrown his way from Tua. Uh, you know, but, but certainly has incorporated both tight ends into this package. And, uh, you know, we were talking about this offline before we started, but, you know, if, if Mike Loxley can go through uh, the months of October and November and keep averaging, you know, over 50 points a game, um, yeah, I think he might have some opportunities for a head coaching job after the season's over with. 
I, I would certainly watch for Maryland with Coach Loxley. Uh, has a lot of ties over there, and their head coach is still on leave, and they'll probably end up having a surge. And uh, I've been really impressed with his play calling as well, William. I think it's been well done, and certainly uh, I think uh, Dan Enos has helped both quarterbacks. Uh, we did see a little bit of Jalen Hurts yet again, so this is it. I mean, it does look like, obviously, that he's probably not going to have a red shirt. Uh, he's played in all four games. Looks like he's he knows what his role is going to be uh, closing these games out. And uh, probably next week we should have a chance to see him uh, at least for a quarter uh, because I'm sure uh, you know, Coach Saban, if they do what they're supposed to do, and I don't know if I've ever remembered an Alabama team, William, being 53-point favorites, 53-and-a-half-point favorites over Billy Napier in the University of Louisiana. Uh, but uh, I would think we would see Tua Tagovailoa for a quarter and a half, maybe a, a, at most uh, half the game. Uh, and then we'll see Jalen Hurts, and then probably some Mac Jones, you would think. So uh, the goal, they need to take care of business and get a lot of pl- players playing time, especially these young guys you keep, we've been talking about on defense. Because, that, cause, uh, you know, getting those guys more and more playing time, I know he's a freak of nature, but that's been one of the keys because uh, Patrick Sertain got his first start this past Saturday, and he certainly lived up to the billing. A great interception near the end of the half, and I thought – for the most part, and that he hung, he held up really well in coverage, tackled well, because that A&M receiver core, it's, it's certainly not Ole Miss, but it's pretty good. Oh, absolutely, and I totally agree with you about the uh, trajectory of this Texas A&M football team. I mean, they've got a, you know, a game changer and quarterback in my mind and Kellen Mond. They've got a really solid offensive line. Um, their front seven on defense is, is very, very solid. Uh, for the last two years, that group has been that way. Um, you know, there's no drop-off there after John Chavis left and, and Mike Elko came from Notre Dame. Um, so, yeah, I think they're easily a, an eight, maybe a possibly nine-win team could possibly take out, um, you know, Auburn and uh, LSU. But, you know, that that's kind of been the narrative, Drew, is, you know, from, from LSU through Ole Miss, you know, Alabama hasn't played anybody. But, you know, they, they played somebody Saturday. And, uh, you know, I think that's, um, you know, a good hallmark of where this team is right now. And, and now, you know, they go on vacation, um, <laughs> in my mind, um, certainly through the month of October, um, you know, with what's going on at Auburn, uh, with what you saw happen to Mississippi State last night, uh, certainly that, that, those two matchups have been diminished. I wanted to ask you, before yeah. you finish that thought, I, 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 I apologize. I wanted to ask you, though, about Kentucky now that you bring them up. I was really impressed with how they physically dominated Mississippi State. Benny Snell, to me, is a Heisman candidate. And now nobody would have ever thought this, William. And and it makes that Kentucky-Texas A&M game in a couple weeks really fascinating. But Kentucky has a legitimate chance. I do not think they'll beat Georgia. Nobody does. But that game on November 3rd in Lexington will be for the Eastern Division Championship. And that's hard to believe. Well, but I think, I don't know, because I know you were down in, in Tuscaloosa yesterday, Drew. I don't know if you got a chance or had a chance today to look at what Missouri was able to do to, to Georgia yesterday. We did watch some of that on the way down. They moved the football on them pretty well. You know, you're talking about a team yesterday that threw the ball 50 times, yet was still able to rack up almost 200 yards rushing on that overrated Georgia defense. Um, yeah, I think that was one thing that really jumped off the page to me was, 
um, that what I thought was an average front seven in the national championship game, um, it's taken a step backwards. And, you know, to me, if Georgia wants to have a chance to get to where they want to go, at some point in time this season, and maybe it's, you know, two weeks at LSU, maybe it's versus Kentucky, you know, maybe it's in the SEC championship game, I just don't see them getting to where they want to go with all the other deficiencies on their team with with, with having a game manager like Jake Fromm, at quarterback. I, I think he's going to have to make the decision like you've seen Nick Saban do last December or, excuse me, last January with Tua, um, like you saw Dabo do yesterday um, with Trevor Lawrence. I just don't see them, especially with how predictable of a play caller that Jim Chaney is, and I think he's another Achilles heel on that Kirby Smart coaching staff. Um, I, I just don't see them getting to where they want to go with the Jake from um, Jim Chaney um, collaboration on offense. I mean, they're they're very, um, you know, they they think they've got this mentality and this identity where they can bully people and run the football down their throats. And I'm not talking about being predictable on on first and ten or second and eight. You know, Jim Chaney, you know, will, will try and run the football down people's throats when it's second and six, or third and six or third and seven. Um, I, I just don't think that this Georgia unit is as good as they were last year from head to toe. And, you know, I think you saw yesterday, I mean, you know, 14 of those points um, that they scored on Missouri yesterday, um, you know, came off of a blocked pun and a pick six. So, yeah, you know, I think yesterday kind of exposed that Georgia program a little bit. And, you know, you can look at the last three recruiting classes under Kirby Smart. You know, the guy just really struggles at identifying, you know, game-changing elite players um, along the front seven on defense. And uh, to me, that's still the biggest separation and difference between the two programs is – you know, Alabama's got those guys, and Georgia doesn't. So, you know, I think the, the, the front seven personnel is probably the number one deficiency that they have, and that, that you know, Jim Chaney, Jake Fromm, game manager marriage on the offensive side of the ball is probably the, the secondary reason. But, you know, I think you saw them get exposed. I think you saw certainly Auburn continue to get exposed. Um, you know, let, let's, you know, go ahead and advertise this while we're on the show. You know, after week four, um, a guy by the name of Jalen Hurts still has more touchdown passes this season than Jared Stidham does. And I'm glad you brought that up. And you're right, Georgia, they got the uh, Tyson Campbell 65-yard, you know, fumble return to the house. I saw that play on our way down and the block punt near the end of the first half. So certainly uh, that, that was really the difference in the game. You're right. Uh, but uh, I wanted to ask you, after I watched A&M against Alabama yesterday and watched just about all of that LSU-Auburn game, I think Texas A&M is a better football team than both of them right now. What, do you, what is your take on that? Total, totally agree. Um, you know, Kellen Mond is a much more uh, weapon at quarterback than, uh, you know, the quarterback at LSU and Jarrett Stidham is. Um, now, I think LSU's probably out of those three teams probably has the best defensive unit. Right. Um, they've certainly got the more talented uh, defensive coordinator in Dave Aranda. 
But I, I think that, you know, going forward, as long as Jimbo can keep everybody together, um, he is certainly a threat to take out both um, uh, Auburn and, and LSU. You know, the, the, the Burroughs guy is a step up um, from what they had with Danny Etling. But, you know, against Auburn, he was 50%. He was 50% yesterday, I think, versus uh, Louisiana Tech. Um, you know, he, he can, you know, move the chains a little bit, but he's certainly not a dynamic guy. Um, you know, I'm not so sure that, you know, um, Alabama hasn't faced the best quarterback they'll see in the regular season um, in Kellen Mond. And maybe the best guy they'll see, you know, unless Georgia, you know, makes the change to Justin Fields as a starter, or if they face, you know, a guy like uh, Trevor Lawrence or Kyler Murray in the playoffs. And uh, I don't know if you saw that, William. I'm sure you did. Good Lord, Oklahoma barely escaped Army in overtime. 28-21. The amazing part is Army had the ball for 76 snaps, William, and only about 37 snaps for uh, Oklahoma. They completely control the clock, and that Sooners defense is still very, very questionable. It is. And, and you know, I, I still think that the, the Alabama defense is kind of um, you know, morphing and, and growing up under, you know, what Tosh wants to do. Uh, I think they took a, a really positive step yesterday with the sack production. They had and nine, they right? Is that sacks. correct? That was set, they had seven sacks, seven register sacks. you got to remember they took a nine oh, yeah. away because yeah. of that. And, but, but 12 tackles for a loss. Um, you know, a, a guy like Raquan Davis is going to continue to draw double teams. And now um, I think opposing offensive coordinators are starting to realize uh, they're going to have to probably double team Quinn and Williams too. Yeah. So, you know, that's probably going to benefit guys like Mac Wilson and Dylan Moses going forward. Um, and, you know, the, the schedule, you know, it, it totally sets up well for Nick Saban and Alabama going into – um, let's go ahead and remove Mississippi State from the equation. And, you know, I, I would even remove Auburn with all the, the uh, problems and, and, and uh, deficiencies that they have. Um, you know, but they, they've really only got a one-game schedule in November. So you've got um, basically four, uh, seven, you know, games going forward through the rest of the season. Um, where they can, you know, basically have the starters done at halftime and build depth and continue to play young guys. I mean, you know, Drew, I, I thought the, the, the most ironic thing yesterday was, um, you know, in the fourth quarter, um, you know, Alabama was able to play Fidarian Mathis, LeBron Ray, Johnny Dwight, and, and Anoma, you know, on the defensive line. And they were all very effective in various different reasons, but, um, it was very satisfying to me on the last play of the game uh, to see a, a guy like Johnny DeWitt, who's been much maligned in his four years at Alabama, uh, damn near decapitate Kellen Mond on the last play of the game. Yeah, and I, I want to bring Thomas Watts into the conversation. Thomas, uh, I know you believe uh, that A&M passed the eye test, at least when it gets compared to the rest of the SEC West. Well, uh, you know, I have to say, William kind of stole my thunder with the A&M second best team in the SEC West thrust of discussion. But, 
I agree. I'm sorry. I look at Auburn, and you know everybody lost their minds because Auburn beat a good Washington team. But if you go back and sort of look into the stats of that game, you realize that Auburn killed Washington on little flare-outs, the extended run game, and as the field compressed and Auburn got into the red zone where you really need to have some balance and run the ball effectively, Auburn flat-out struggled for the vast right. majority of the game. So, you know, fast-forward that to LSU. Pretty much the same thing, except Jarrett Stidham has... Like, you want to put a highlight reel of crap you don't do as a starting quarterback, put Jarrett Stidham's first interception in there and just be like, literally everything you did on this play was wrong. Like, there's nothing you did right. You should go sit on the bench and hang your head and think about what you did. It's like, it's like how do you treat a puppy when he, when he makes a mess on the floor? Go sit, on the, go sit outside and think about what you did, because that was ugly. Then Auburn goes to Arkansas, who is the radioactive dumpster fire of the SEC right oh. now, and is not extremely effective. 225 so, yards, Thomas. I mean, that's yeah. unbelievably inept. Yeah. So, you know, it's like Auburn, it's, it's, a, it's a Gus Malzahn special. Every four years, he develops a chunk of junior and senior offensive linemen, and they can use his up-tempo power scheme to get very far ahead in life. And then all those guys graduate, or enough of them graduate, whether it's a power running back or an offensive lineman or whoever, and the power running game doesn't work, which slows down Gus's offense, which means he can't do the stuff that he wants to do, and it just bogs down. The only reason Auburn's not, you know, a 6-6 six and six team is because they've got a fantastic front seven that'll keep them in a lot of games, but... but more than anything, so what? Your front seven's not going to matter given what we've seen that Tua Tonga Vailoa has been able to do, unless you can consistently pressure with four. Nobody's been able to do that against him. And then I believe it was the ESPN or CBS had a statistic where when more than five guys came, Tua was like through three quarters or maybe even through the first half, he was like five of seven for 150 and two touchdowns. So you can't even blitz the guy really effectively and hope to slow down Alabama, which negates Auburn's big advantage. Throw it over to LSU. LSU's defense, I agree with William. Very, very good. But um, LSU, if you dig into those advanced statistics, and this is where I get to nerd out, their offensive efficiency is just crater bad. It's pathetic. The next time Joe Burrow completes 50% of his passes against a team that has a pulse will be the first time. And more than anything, what LSU has done, particularly, and you saw this against the Auburn Tigers, was live on the big play. Now, Joe Burrow deserves credit for that last drive. I take nothing away from him. He made some big-time throws. But the touchdown to make it 21-19 or 21-18 or whatever, 21-19, excuse me, that was a three-yard down and in that Auburn's secondary just was like, oh, well, it's a bull. What do we do when a bull charges us? We say ole and miss tackles. So I just, I, I think Alabama's so far ahead and the strengths of both of those teams run into this buzzsaw strength of Alabama. Now, if Jalen Hurts was the quarterback, different story. But, you know, just going off what we've seen so far, 
and assuming health stays pretty much the same, I don't see it. I think Alabama doesn't have. I don't. I'd go one. I'd do you one more, William. I don't think Alabama's got a one-game regular season. I think Alabama's going to run everyone over, and then there might be a question with the Georgia Bulldogs. But just to say one more thing, and I realize I'm soliloquying right now. I'll be interested to see how the physical nature of Kentucky, because if there's one thing Kentucky has done, and just to echo some thoughts, they absolutely destroyed the Florida Gators from a physical standpoint. They just did the exact same thing to the Mississippi State Bulldogs. And for whatever reason, whether it's because they're the underdogs or the undercats, I suppose, they buy into this, we're going to come in and we're going to kick your ass. And if you can kick our ass before we kick your ass, we're going to lose. But if we kick your ass, we're going to run you over. Well, you know, I'll be interested to see that. I'm going to give both y'all a chance to laugh a little bit. We all are, are, you know, never going to be Tennessee fans, but we all like Jeremy Pruitt, and we want him to do well. Last night was terrible. We truly see he really needs got he's got to do so much recruiting. I was listening to a Tennessee fan call-in show on the way home for over an hour. And one of the hosts is still convinced they can beat Kentucky. <laughs> I mean, are you kidding me? Maybe. They're going to get mauled by like 30. I mean, they, they won't even. Maybe they have prettier girls. There's no know. way in hell they're going to stop Benny Snell. I mean, they couldn't do anything against Florida, and Benny Snell ran through Florida like it was nothing. So, I mean, I understand they've dominated Kentucky for most of their history. But they have lost two of the last four. It's about to be three of the last five because Kentucky's going to beat the hell out of them. They're not going to beat Vandy either, I don't think. I'm going to be surprised at this point. The two worst teams in this league, after I've seen them, are Tennessee and Arkansas. And they are pathetic. It's It's not not even close. And Alabama is going to maul both of them. It's going to be like a damn scrimmage when they play both of them because – it was just so funny because it, lately the Florida-Tennessee game has been close. And actually, it's scarily, if I'm a Gator fan, Tennessee outgained Florida, but, but Tennessee just kind of self-destructed. But, yeah, I, but I completely agree, guys. I think Alabama's far and away the best team. they just got to stay focused. I do agree with William that Georgia has not been that impressive thus far. I want to see kind of what they do going forward. Certainly Tennessee won't be able to challenge them at all. Um, but I do think uh, that LSU will be able to punch with them on defense. Uh, and I, I'm, and I want to see, see Alabama continue to get better. William, I, we, we, I know you brought up uh, Raekwon getting double teamed. I still saw him get a lot of penetration yesterday. I think the sacks are going to start coming. He nearly got a couple. But, he, but I'll tell you what, Isaiah Bugs had the best game of his career yesterday. Texas A&M, last year he had 12 tackles, and he had, over, he had three and a half sacks yesterday. They, they don't ever want to see Isaiah Bugs again. No, and I think what you're starting to see, Drew, is, is the you know the coach cool effect on that. Right, team. I was going to ask about that. And and you know it's it's certainly you've seen it you know from the Isaiah Bugs production and the Quinnen Williams production, you know certainly you know Raekwon going into the season was kind of the headliner there. Um, you know, there's kind of a uh, a development standpoint where he's got to get used to because let's let's don't forget when, when he was coming off the bench last year not being a starter um, you know he didn't draw double teams 
So, you know, he, he was afforded that luxury. That's something else he's got to get used to this year, which I think he will. Um, but, you know, you, you have seen a uptick in the technique of those Alabama defensive linemen, specifically through four games uh, between Quinn and Williams and Isaiah Bugs. You know, their, their hand placement, uh, the hand explosion, being able to lock people out. You know, when you – when you hear a former NFL quarterback like Gary Danielson talking about it, like you did on the broadcast yesterday, it should be very obvious to other people that don't have an untrained eye with, with front seven people or line of scrimmage people on both sides of the football. And even Gary was able to see that. So, um, you know, I, I think that's, you know, going to be something that you see going forward that, that Alabama is going to be afforded the luxury with. Um, I think they've done a great job through four games of substituting on the D-line, substituting in the defensive backfield. What I want to see out of Tosh Lapoy throughout the month of October is, is getting Markel Benton and Joshua McMillan and, and, you know, and even you know, maybe Cahoe and, and, and Moody uh, more involved at the inside linebacker positions. Um, I, want to see, I, I don't want to see Dylan Moses and Matt Wilson on the field you know, with five minutes left to go in the fourth quarter, um, you know, versus a team like Texas A&M like we saw yesterday. Um, and, and I think we'll see that. But that that's the beauty of, you know, this, this process and this program that Nick Saban has is, you know, and, you know certainly the, the athletic director and Nick Saban's scheduling, um, you know, plays a part in this. But, you know, they basically got a vacation schedule throughout the month of uh, October where they can, you know, do a lot of things, work on some things. Uh, you know, certainly uh, the offensive line working on, you know, run blitzes and, and you know, the box getting stat, uh, snapped and, you know, Mike Loxley being able to, you know, kind of work on, uh, being able to work on, you know, that, that aspect of the offense. But, you know, at the same time, I also think we're at a point where, you know, we're, we're not that same team that we were in 2012, like we've mm-hmm. talked about before. Um, you know, it's an RPO spread offense now under Mike Loxley, and I think Nick Saban knew that um, when he hired Mike Loxley as his offensive coordinator. Um, and, you know, going forward throughout the schedule, I think you'll see the same thing. You know, um, they're, they're going to face a good – I wouldn't say a good front seven, but they'll face a good defensive line in Mississippi State, um, a good front seven in LSU, and a good front seven in Auburn. But, but at the same time, the back end of all three of those teams are basically what you saw yesterday. And if that's the, the route that those D.C.s want to go with, I think you'll see Tua Tungabailoa pat his stats like he did yesterday. And then Mississippi State, they got overwhelmed by Benny Snell too, so they do have talent on defense. But uh, and then the, the thing that would bother me even more if I'm Mississippi State is the lack of playmaking from Nick Fitzgerald. William, uh, he uh, he still looks like he's got a ways to go. He's just never developed into the passer they were hoping, and uh, certainly he didn't play very well yesterday. Well, you know, Drew, I, I kind of think that, uh, you know, Nick Fitzgerald is in the same boat that probably most Georgia fans would say that Jake Fromm's at. Uh, you know, well, what both of them are right now is what they're going to be 
Right. Um, you know, Nick Fitzgerald is is is, is basically Jalen Hurts on steroids. I mean, he's a good RPO guy, one read guy. He's always mm-hmm. struggled throwing the ball down the field with accuracy. Right. Um, you know, Jake Fromm, on the other hand, is more of a, a pro style game manager. Um, he's got you know much more accuracy, but you know, running that offense that he runs at Georgia, you know, he's not a dynamic guy. Um, he, he, in my mind, he, he's kind of Jarrett Stidham 2.0. If he's got a perfect pocket, he can deliver a pretty live ball, but he doesn't like people getting in his face. He certainly doesn't like to get hit. And, you know, I think Jake Fromm and Jarrett Stidham are kind of the same guy. So, you know, going forward, those are going to be a couple of good storylines to watch. Um, but, you know, this, this Mississippi State team this year, um, is not going to be a challenge for Alabama. Um, you know, LSU, you know, they're kind of a they, – they kind of, you know, under Coach O, they kind of want to be what Alabama was from, from 2008 to 2012. They, they want to be that we're going to beat your ass up running downhill and maybe we've got a guy that can, can complete more passes. Uh, than Mettenberger and, and Danny Etling did, but you know it's still the same outcome. Um, you know I think this deal at Auburn, uh, you've already kind of seen the wheels come off in September, and who knows what it's going to look like when they come to Bryant Denny Stadium at the end of uh, November. So you know you, you kind of look at the trajectory that this team's on. Um, they've got a chance to build a lot of depth. Um, in my mind, during the month of October and, and November, and uh, you know, you know at, at some point in time, maybe before I saw this uh, second and Kirby product, uh, you know, throughout the season, I, I watched that whole Missouri game yesterday, and it was blatantly obvious from the get-go that the guy still doesn't know what an elite defensive lineman looks like. Um, he can keep signing all these overrated five stars uh, that he wants to. Um, I, I, I'm going to stick with the guy that's turned uh, Raekwon Davis and Quentin Williams, who were lowly rated four stars in the first round draft picks. And Kirby, you know, if Kirby wants to have the next, you know, five number one rated recruiting classes, he's still never going to be the, the the evaluator and the developer of talent that my two favorite guys in college football were and are in Butch Davis and Nick Saban. Yeah, and uh, it's going to be interesting going forward. Uh, of course, Coach Saban going to have to continue to keep the team hungry, but they've got so many young guys that want to make their mark. I don't think that's going to be an issue, and I agree with you. I thought the pass protection, uh, so I'd have to give game balls to Jedrick Wills, especially, and Jonah Williams off the edges, because A&M was thought to have a pretty good pass rush, but they kept Tua clean uh, and uh, were able to give him time to throw, and he certainly did an outstanding job. Uh, you know, the running game—it's not going to—it's not a video game, man. You're not going to be able to rush for 200 yards against everybody. Uh, they hung in there. Basically, uh, the, the speed sweep to Rugs and even that little swing pass to Damian Harris were close to—you could almost call it running type plays—and they were very productive. Good calls. Uh, by Mike Loxley. So I think this offense is being very difficult to defend. And personally, William, I know a lot of old school Alabama fans like to run the football, but I I have a lot of fun watching this offense play. Me too, and something else is worth noting. 
uh, something that really stood out to me yesterday because of that Texas A&M being a very talented, um, at least along the defensive line. And, you know, I think their back, their backers are good players too. But something that jumped off the page to me yesterday is, you know, I, I used to kind of question whether or not Jonah Williams could play left tackle in the NFL. Mm-hmm. But after watching him yesterday against Texas A&M, uh, something that he has really gotten advanced with um, through four games this year, and it showed up yesterday versus Texas A&M, he absolutely explodes out of a two-point stance um, into his pass sets and just totally overwhelms the pass rusher, um, you know, with, with – you know, being one of the strongest guys on the team, advanced technique. Um, and, and, you know, you're getting to watch something that is truly phenomenal and special in him um, as a guy that, you know, can obviously play all five positions. But last year, you know, I thought he maybe took a step back a little bit from being a right tackle to a left tackle. But yesterday he proved to me, and I think it's a, a total – testament to him as a player um, with the film study and, and being a uh, you know a guy that's first in and last out of the weight room uh, he he explodes out of his pass sets and just totally overwhelmed the, the Texas A&M edge rushers that they lined up against him and I think that's going to be another feather um, you know in the, in the Alabama offensive cap going forward uh, through October and November, that that really impressed me. And do you think we we that we're going to see more and more of Waddle going forward in the passing game? Oh yeah, I think you know that you've seen you know obviously the the, the, the regular dudes you know the, the Devonta Smiths, the Jerry Judys, the Henry Ruggs. Um, yeah, you've seen Irv Smith and Hell Hinches get involved. I, I think that's something certainly that. You'll see uh, going forward from for Michael Oxley is getting Jalen Waddle more involved. I mean that guy's, you know, you know, so quick twitch, and you can't tackle him in a phone booth. Um, you know, he's already made an impact as a punt returner, and uh, yeah, I think that's something you'll see going forward. You might see, uh, you know, him get involved in some jet sweeps, um, getting him involved more in space, like they tried to do yesterday. Um, but yeah, another weapon, and, and you know, and another piece of the puzzle that Mike Loxley needs to, you know, dial up and get more involved. Yeah, it's gonna. Be, I'm gonna be interested to see the growth of this offense as they continue to expand it. Because two is just you know getting started. Uh, now has uh, four starts under his belt. Now over a thousand yards passing, uh, and uh, 14 touchdowns. William, no uh, interceptions. Uh, just an amazing start for him. Uh, he's just been able to protect the football. Alabama's offense has been able to, uh, you know, keep uh, from making mistakes. And certainly, I think they're going to continue to get better and better, including that offensive line. No question about it. Uh, but now, as we're kind of winding it down tonight, uh, it was Alabama's first SEC home game. So, of course, that means recruiting is a big topic. We do know and now confirm that George Pickens, the Hoover wide receiver that's been a long-time Auburn commit, uh, has been was in Tuscaloosa. Certainly, there are academic questions about George long term, but I think uh, the best way to to categorize his Auburn commitment would be shaky at best. We know Alabama wants to add a big receiver. We know Alabama is still involved with Wandell Robinson. 
uh, and I know you'll you'll have a small update on that as far as kind of you know what happened yesterday. Uh, he got a little bit delayed, uh, but with the visit, which was out of his control. But and then uh, you we also know that uh, several of the commitments were in town as well. Also, uh, uh, maybe the best uh, edge rusher in the country uh, was on an official visit also. Yeah, you know, I think out of all those guys that you mentioned, um, you know, the the one guy that doesn't really have an asterisk by their name is, uh, you know, KV on Thibodeau. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, after getting him back on campus uh, to spend some time around the players, you know, the, the previous visit was a camp visit, you know, where he really didn't have a chance to, um, you know, it, it's different than an official visit where you've got 48 hours on campus and you kind of immerse yourself in the culture, um, that, that there is a confidence level there. Um, what happened this weekend with KV on Thibodeau, especially with, you know, if you look at, um, Alabama's two main competitors there for him in USC and, and Florida State, you know, kind of imploding, uh, you know, not to mention just the, uh, you know, the product that, that Nick Saban has been able to put out for the last 11 years, um, you know, with, with edge rushers, they've all been successful, um, you know, gotten drafted, you know, probably where they belonged, but, you know, a lot of them have been first-round draft picks. There, there's a lot of confidence there now, um, you know, from Tosh LePoy, um, who is his lead recruiter from out there on the West Coast, Um you know, we'll have to wait and see how the rest of the stuff plays out. You know, I think Alabama, uh, you know, was expecting, you know, the five-star linebacker, Nicobe Dean, to make it in, and he did not. Um, I don't think there's a lot to read into that. Um, you know, travel, you know, problems tend to, you know, creep up. You know, guys get beat up on Friday night from their football games. And they don't feel like going anywhere. But, you know, Alabama had some really good players on campus yesterday The you know, the five-star offensive lineman from Oxford, Alabama, Clay Webb, was there and, you know, was seen having a good time with the, uh, you know, the current quarterback commitment, Paul Tyson. Um, so, you know, I think yesterday was a very, very good showing for, uh, you know, the program both on and off the field in recruiting. Yeah, and uh, no question about it. Now they got the University of Louisiana and another former Saban assistant, uh, Billy Napier, coming to town, and they're coming off of a smarting loss. Uh, to Coastal Carolina, 30 to 28. William, and as we already mentioned, 53 point underdogs uh, to Alabama. I'm going to go ahead and call it. I think Alabama's going to cover. I think they'll win something around 63 to three. I think that we'll see the starters for maybe a half, and then of course after that uh, we'll see uh, Jalen Hurts and then Mac Jones and a lot of young players playing. Uh, but th- this is going to be, uh, you know. Uh, a chance to develop some young guys. Your thoughts on this matchup is just a complete mismatch as Louisiana, their only win of the year was against Grambling in week one. And I, I totally agree. And, I, you know, I think you're going to see that play out throughout the whole month of October. And, and I think that's a, you know, built-in advantage for Alabama, um, you know, going into November and, and you know, certainly – um, you know, things play out the way we think they are for, for the SEC championship game. And then when they get their next big break, um, you know, for playoff practice, um, they're going to be able to, you know, A, keep the production up on both sides of the football throughout the month of October. But 
still be able to develop depth. And, and you know, you saw a little bit of it yesterday, um, you know, in the fourth quarter where, you know, um, you know, guys like, you know, Johnny Dwight, you know, made that uh, brutal hit on Kellen Mond on the last play of the game. Um, you know, Anoma, you know, had that sack yesterday, although it was called a horse collar, which I still don't agree with. Um, and you also saw a guy, you know, from up there in your neck of the woods, Drew, and LeBron Ray, um, you know, who's still coming. Um, you know, he's still getting developed. And, you know, I have, you know, so much confidence in a guy, you know, like uh, Craig Kugliowski to, to make this happen. Um, but, you know, there were so many times yesterday where he was a half, a, you know, a step slow uh, in, in the time that it took him to beat either the right tackle or the left tackle for Texas A&M. And, you know, half a second after Kellen Mond released the football, LeBron Ray was earholing him. So I viewed that as a positive as well. And I think he's a guy that's, you know, still coming and, you know, won't maybe factor in as a game changer this year, but will certainly have a chance to be one of those guys to be counted on for the 2019 season. Yeah, no question about it. And uh, I, I think everybody's excited to continue to watch this team play and develop uh, and to continue to see guys like a Yabi Anoma uh, get better and get more playing time. Uh, as you already mentioned, uh, you know, uh, they, they've got a chance to get Markel Ben, Jalen Moody, uh, and of course, we all know uh, that Joshua McMillan uh, is a veteran, but he, uh, he he'll probably get some more snaps and help some of these young guys uh, get more comfortable and get more confident. Uh, no doubt about that. Uh, and we'll continue to see Sertain get more and more comfortable. Josh Job, uh, some of these young guys in the secondary. Uh, so just in case some people get banged up, Alabama will have more options and other guys ready to roll and play. And it was good to see Johnny Dwight get that big sack. Uh, Johnny is a fifth-year senior, and uh, he was maligned when he first got to Alabama. But I do think he's a pretty good uh, college defensive lineman now and definitely somebody you can play and have confidence uh, that can give you 15 to 20 snaps a game, no question about that. And uh, and then uh, I think uh, overall they're starting to develop some depth. Tavita Masaika uh, has played. Uh, some he's going to continue to get playing time. I think Coach Cool is starting to you know get these guys better. He may not be a fiery guy, super fiery uh, that uh, people have talked about a little bit. He's more of a laid back guy, but he's a technician. And you you can't overlook what he did at Missouri and what he did at Miami. All those D lines got better. Certainly Alabama's is going to continue to get more and more uh, you know uh, potent. I know there was fans that were irritated because they they weren't uh, ringing up a lot of sacks. Uh, the first couple of games, but that certainly began yesterday against a high-quality opponent, too, uh, in Texas A&M. And Alabama, I think the cool part is they made just enough mistakes to give Nick Saban an edge and be able to raise a little hell, as they say, and try to keep the guys focused. So, And Alabama's pretty healthy right now. Uh, they didn't come out, I don't think, with any injuries of any note against that. Uh, Quentin Williams got a little nicked up, and so did Dylan Moses, but certainly those guys, they may uh, take it easy on them in practice, but uh, they will be back. And so Alabama wins it easily. I know, William, you think they're going to uh, easily uh, dispatch Louisiana. Uh, I'll bring Thomas Watson to kind of end the show. Thomas, this is going to be one of those, uh, you know, uh, we're going to need your roster sheet because there's going to be a lot of guys playing. Uh, oh, yeah, Drew. If, uh, uh, William, I have to ask, do you have any eligibility left? Because you <laughs> definitely have a chance to play next week. Oh, Lord. <laughs> no, it's uh, 
negative Ghost Rider, that pattern's full. <laughs> yeah, and it's going to be an early uh, kickoff too. It's going to be on eleven o'clock, so you yeah. got to be ready to roll. Uh, but, with all with all the, a lot of these young guys on Saturday morning. But yeah, this is going to be one of those games. I'm not sure I'm willing to jump on the Bama covers bandwagon because uh, well, it's a lot of points. Well, I think even if if what we think, I think what we all think happens, and Alabama through a quarter and a half. You know, even into halftime is up 50, you know, 49, you know, 52 to nothing, 52 to 3, 52 to 7. I mean, I think Nick Saban's going to turn to Mike Loxley and say, okay, just run the ball for a half. <laughs> and that's, it's not to say that Alabama can't score doing that, but it's certainly not going to be what Alabama has shown with Tua Tunga Vailoa at the controls of the offense because he won't be playing. So, I fully expect, you know, particularly with the new redshirt rule, this this to me is going to be a really, really interesting litmus test to see just how many guys end up getting a game. You know, the dudes that almost never play, but hey, even if you were slated for a redshirt, we can burn one of your games if you haven't played yet. And yeah. because it's at home, you'll probably get to dress anyway. So it'll be one of those things, you know, we're not going to read a participation on this chart. That, that, that tradition is dead and buried. But looking at the participation chart, you know, this time next Sunday, you'll probably see pretty much everybody that can dress will get to play a few plays against Lafayette. Yeah, you just uh, want to come out healthy. Uh, and then they will have a road trip to Arkansas coming up after that. The Razorbacks, uh, you know, uh, did a nice job holding Auburn to, to only like 225 offensive yards, but still lost the game 34 to three. And Alabama will be traveling to Fayetteville, but uh, I don't give them much of a shot at all to hold up much resistance to uh, the University of Alabama. Uh, but uh, it's going to be interesting going forward, and we'll have more recruiting news next week. Cause I'm sure it's going to continue to trickle out later tonight into the next day, uh, certainly, and we'll, we'll have that. Uh, on BAM's radio next week, and we will take a look back at uh, this uh, game against the Louisiana Raging Cajuns and Billy Napier, uh, hopefully with Alabama coming out with an easy win uh, and uh, taking care of business and staying healthy uh, as the, they want to finish uh, the first month 5-0 and and the unquestioned number one team in all the land, which everyone I think right now is on the same page as, uh, with that. And uh, for Georgia and Ohio, and Ohio State, probably the others in the top three, now there's questions about really how good Clemson is, how good Oklahoma is, what we saw uh, in the last couple of weeks. But I don't think there's any doubt Alabama's number one, and then Ohio State and Georgia are fighting it out for number two. So we'll continue to uh, monitor everything. We want to thank everyone for tuning in to BAM's radio tonight. Uh, for my co-host, Thomas the Wizard Watts, and the producer of this show, and William Redfish Barger. We appreciate you for listening to us uh, tonight. Uh, we always enjoy bringing you BAMS Radio on Sundays now to kind of review the game, look ahead to some recruiting, and focus on the Crimson Tide. Uh, but we uh, we appreciate all the all the listens. We know that it's, the listenership is continuing to improve, and we really appreciate that. For everybody, we will come to you next week on Sunday to review Alabama, hopefully moving to 5-0. and the number one ranked Crimson Tide, 45-23 winners over uh, number 22 Texas A&M. Now 4-0 on the season and the first of what could be several 300-yard games for the one and only Tua Tonga Valoa now in the books. But good night, everybody. We'll talk to you next week and roll tide. <laughs>